Hello and welcome back. Happy Christmas. Merry New Year. We are so glad to be joined again by you wonderful, wonderful listeners. My name is Adam. And my name is McLean. And this is One of Us is Always Right, the show where we talk movies, shows, get in deep, stay shallow, talk about whatever we want, and enjoy good conversation about that the grand world of visual media. This week, we're going to start with getting excited um, about some upcoming trailers for shows or movies. We'll move into McLean's reaction to Narcos. And for those of you who've been listening for a while, we this is one uh, recommendation I threw out to McLean weeks and weeks ago, um, along with Triple Frontier. And he went with Triple Frontier, but also got plugged into Narcos at the same time. So we thought coming back from Christmas would be an easy time to get it going. Then we'll move into McLean's recommendations or challenges for me for this week that I will watch and come back next week with my thoughts. Um, and then we'll move into our blast from the past. And we kind of shook it up this week a little bit. Our blast from the past is not just a year. We decided that we are going to pick the the historically worst movie release month of the calendar year, January. And it challenged ourselves to find a movie from January. Um it was not as hard as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, we were we were both a little like, oh, okay. <laughs> we we're not. Yeah, spoiled for choice might be too far, but it's pretty close. Um, there's some really good gems in there. Anyway, so um, welcome back. Here we go. We're going to kick things off right away with get excited, McLean. What has you excited? So if you had told me two years ago when this movie was like originally announced as an idea that I was going to be excited to talk about Renfield a movie about the guy who's the assistant to Dracula, I, I would have laughed in your face. Like this sounded like the dumbest subject. Mm-hmm. They dropped the Renfield trailer yesterday and yep. it looks crazy and funny and pretty cool. Uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, you, you texted me and said, you know, make sure you watch this cause we're gonna talk about it. And um, I watched it uh, this morning and was pleasantly surprised and pleased um it does look fun it's um i can't remember his name is beast from x-men it's um it's the about a boy boy it's chris uh nicholas holt Holt, yes um who i think does like even if he's in a bad movie he's not bad like i've never seen him bad like i'm not the biggest fan of those x-men movies but nicholas holt is great in them um he was great in uh mad max fury road i thought he was oh yeah that's right really really good Um, i have not I haven't seen him in this yet, but I've heard he's very good in it. Where he, I think he's in the favorite, and then right, right. the the person who was the producer for the favorite also is doing the Hulu series The Great about Catherine the Great, and okay. he plays her like foppish husband in that. Nice. So uh, those are two other like Nicholas Holt things that he's gotten some uh, acclamation from critics and stuff. I haven't hadn't checked them out yet. But the, yeah, if I do, yeah. it's because he's in them. Right, exactly. He was also in um, uh, Warm Bodies, I think was one of his earlier yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. first uh, starring roles in a movie. Um, well, I, I think I think About a Boy is probably... Oh, yeah, that's probably the first. Yeah, I consider that. He, yeah. He's not the, technically the lead, but he is definitely kind of a lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Renfield, you're right. It's, it's the assistant to Dracula. Um, all I can think about is Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing. I actually really like that movie. I do too. Like, I'm not. I'm not shaming, but like, that's that's when someone says Renfield and Dracula, I think of that Dracula, um, that Renfield. Had, and that and that Renfield, and Wait, I just start going. That Renfield is is Igor, though, right? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. But the okay. same kind it's of. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. Concept. Yeah. I think um, of this reminds me a little bit of that Daniel Radcliffe Igor movie with uh, another X Men alum, uh, uh, not Patrick Stewart, the young one. Oh gosh, it's gonna. Um, Professor Xavier. James McAvoy. James McAvoy. Thank you. He's back, oh boy. Um, yeah, the James McAvoy, Daniel Radcliffe, like Igor movie. This where like I thought it was going to be like that. Like this is the gritty, real version of uh, this, you know, monster movie monster. Right. Like, let's get, but this is not that. This is silly and like over the top and not taking itself seriously in the slightest. Right, but in there, it looked like there's definitely because of that, and because they know what they are, the drama I think will carry through on some of the like the not the drama, but the um, the tension around the yeah. the struggles. Um, you're, yeah, you're, I don't think this is going to be like a Liam Neeson Dracula movie, but I don't think it's going to be like um, I Frankenstein or something that's like trying to take itself too right. seriously. Yeah, uh, I like that Aquafina is in this. I really like yeah. her. I watched the first time I saw this trailer was on mute. It was like just running in the back of like a Facebook thing. So I was just like, oh, oh, Nicholas Holt's going to be Renfield. I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. He's going to an AA meeting. Uh, All right. Well, it's just interesting. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Nicholas Cage shows up at the end of the trailer. I was like, yeah, what, what happened? Yeah. I've watched it like like, three times since then. And he does the voice and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, if I hadn't seen the sun, it is like the most Nicolas Cage character. Yeah. Like well, they talk about it's, it's if Nick Cage was a vampire, that's what you're going to get. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And they, they talk about in the trivia for this on IMDb that Nicolas Cage did say when he was doing a movie in 2011, that uh, Christopher Lee was his like biggest icon and reason for going into doing horror movies. So I feel like this is Nicolas Cage doing Christopher Lee doing gotcha. Dracula. So gotcha. I, very excited i think he's gonna crush it i think nicholas holt looks really good in it some of the action looks really cool this is the guy who directed the lego movie okay lego batman uh Mm. chris Chris mckay uh did lego movie did lego batman and he also did the tomorrow war that's the the most recent like live action movie that he did which i i actually quite enjoyed yeah um so i don't know if this is going to be a 10 out of 10 but I'm pretty excited for this. I think it's going to be a pretty solid. Yeah, I think that's great. I yeah. think, yeah, I was, um, um, what was I going to say? It was the, uh, the, the Batman movie, not my favorite Batman movie, the Lego Batman movie. No. Um, no. I, I don't like that iteration of Batman at all. Um, but it was production wise, well done. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for this. I think this movie is what Morbius should have aimed to be sure um it's kind of when i when i watched it that was my first thought was oh this is what morbius could have been if it had mm. lightened up just a little bit um yeah i don't i don't know this could go in a lot of different directions absolutely I, good. Um, I am prepared to be surprised yeah so um anyway so when's that come out uh renfield a- april 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 of this year yeah okay um Perfect. Well, that's coming up pretty quick. That's that beginning of that box office season. Yep. Looks like they're going to try to get it right into the before the big summer blockbusters start coming out. April yeah. 14th, second week of April. Okay. Um, and then, so moving right along, we've got Renfield coming out in April. 
And I actually, I'm a little, I'm a little spoiled for choice. I'm going with the TV show um, for my get excited. And I am deciding right now, which one that's going to be. Um, I had it narrowed down to three and I am going to choose carnival row, which I think I may have mentioned before. If I, if I have, I'm going to change it. Um, but this is a, this is a TV show on Amazon prime with Orlando bloom. And, um, I never can say her name, right. Uh, what's I can't even remember it right now. Um, Kara Delavine. Yes. Yes. Um, so season one came out way back in 2019 and I'm going to guess that COVID, um, wonderful pandemic slowed production down for us to get season two. Um, so this is just the second season. This is just the second season. What? Four years later. Um, and it's about it's a world fantasy world where there were separate lands where there were humans on ones and there were two different factions and they were kind of always at war. And then there were these um, creature humanoid things, fairy like things and other things living on this other continent. Well, the people eventually started warring on that other continent, driving all those people out. One of the one of the factions took them in. One of them didn't. And then they're now a, a lower class existing alongside humans and trying to figure all that out. And most of them have jobs of servants and whatever. And, um, it's really great. Orlando Bloom plays a detective, um, who's serving carnival row, which is the street, the neighborhood that most of these, um, I don't want to call them mutants, but these fairy type people live. And it's, um, so it's murder mystery fantasy, um, not horror, but a little bit of thriller all in one. Um, and it's it's really really good. The um, the cast I've always been um, impressed with. Um, like I said, Orlando Bloom, Cara Delevingne, um, David Gyasi is fantastic in this, um, and Indira Varma, um, who folks can remember her from oh, yeah, yeah. many things. Um, she's actually in the new Mission Impossible movie coming up. Um, she was in, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She, uh, was in a, a really fun, um, show from a while ago called human target, um, from 2010. Uh, it was kind of a, like a silly show, but a lot of fun. And she was in game of Thrones. So, game um, of Thrones. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. So not a new face, but uh, a good, good face and does a great job in this. Um, so carnival row season two is coming up. Um, when did I see that it was coming out? I believe it's coming out on the 15th. Actually, it may be out right around when this episode um, uh, posts. So January 15th, season two of Carnival Row. Yeah, two days from, from this going out. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. my get excited. Um, like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of genres all at once, which makes it fun for me um, and – keeps you guessing as what kind of episode you're going to get. Oh, sorry. February 17th. It was so a couple just, days and a month. Yeah. From, from when this comes out. So sorry, <laughs> but, uh, okay. yeah, you're just too excited. I was very, very excited. So, but it's on Amazon prime. Um, and I believe the, with the first season, they dropped all the episodes at once. Um, Amazon prime is kind of, it's one of those streaming services. You never know what you're going to get. So when you get guys like the Grand Tour or, or something like that, they would do an episode a week, which is super annoying. Um, so you may get all of Carnival Row in on one day and can just, you know, binge it. Yeah. 
you you prefer getting them all at once, right? I prefer getting them all at once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm like, I'm a, you have them done, give them to me. Like, there's no, like, what advertising are you waiting for? It's, it's been done. Give me my show. Yeah. (laughs) Like, come on now. I got things to watch and this is one of them. Um, but you know, that's that instant gratification that can get you in trouble sometimes. Yeah. I like, I like, I usually enjoy the week to week stuff, but I usually wait a few weeks into it. Mm-hmm. So if I do get like really caught up in it and I have multiple times in the week to watch the show, then I can watch like three in the week and get caught right. up to where it is. Yeah. I'm more, I like, I, I mind it. I don't know. I think I'd rather have the like reality shows like, like a uh, Mythbusters or Moonshiners or something like that dropped all at once. If I have to choose, I'd like something like that all at once because I can have that on easily in the background because it's it's low mental space, whereas yeah. something and low emotional space. Where something like Carnival Row or um, or like Last of Us or something like that, I you know, I I guess I can wait a week. Um, yeah, but. I find it, it has also changed slightly for me uh, now that we're not working in offices anymore and we're mm-hmm. working remotely. Um, not being able to have those conversations week to week with people right. uh, has really made it less of a desirable to have to wait. Yeah, no, um, I got you. Yeah, I agree. Watching Game of Thrones week to week and every you go in the next day, and it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Right. And everybody crazy. in the office who didn't <laughs> didn't see it, it's like, well, if you had if you had a couple hours, you could watch. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm the same way. And even then, it just it's fun to talk about, but I, I, I just get so excited about this stuff and I get so excited yeah. to sit down and just, you know, I enjoy time on the couch with a snack, a soda, um, my kid and my wife watching stuff. Um, we're, yeah. we're getting through, um, lemony snicket right now on Netflix and it's taking us forever and it's driving me crazy, but it's good family time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting when you get wrapped up in something and don't, hmm have the same schedule as everybody else and you're like right i could could get ahead of this but then it's not all watching it together right and that's that you know there's there's multiple memes out there of wives watching so you know partners um in relationships one's speeding ahead and not telling the other and you know all the jokes that come out of that so um but yeah so uh i'm getting excited about carnival row coming out february 17th um so a little over a month and a couple days and McLean is excited about Renfield, a new movie, new Dracula movie. Do we call it a Dracula movie or do we call it just a vampire movie? Do we call it? What do we call I think it? you can call this a, a Dracula movie. I mean, Nicolas Cage is in the top three for casting on this. Okay. Uh, I, I think we can call it a Dracula movie. All right. So we've got a, a Renfield, a Dracula movie focusing on Renfield, Dracula's assistant, um, coming out in April, I believe you said? Yeah. April so, 14th. April 14th. So, you know, do your taxes and go watch a movie. That those are the things we're getting excited about. Um, we're gonna move now into McLean's reaction to Narcos. Now, I think a month and a half ago, I had on one of my recommendations to him, it was either Narcos or Triple Frontier, both kind of drug related. Uh, one was a movie and one was a show, and he picked uh, Triple Frontier, but he also dove in a little bit to the first episode or two of Narcos, and has since then has I believe been continuing on and has got the first season done. Um, and is ready to share his reaction to Narcos. So, McLean, Narcos season one, what'd you think? So, uh, I had hoped to get more done during the holiday season as far as watching Narcos, 
And I realized that I cannot binge this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, it's too real. It's too depressing at times. And I can only do two episodes at a time before I have to like watch Paddington, which is what I did when watching (laughs) it on the airplane. Uh, So I need to watch, like, I need to sort of have a palate cleanser and, and take some time away from it. I will say it is very well done. There's some really great storytelling. Um, I usually don't like flash forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but like all the Marvel, the first first movies, they have these these flash forwards where you see part of the movie mm-hmm. and then they go back and then they catch you back up to it. And Iron Man does it really well. Captain America and Thor do it terribly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just very distracting for me and bothers me a lot. Narcos does this, but they're on the Iron Man side. They do it very well. Uh, they have this scene at the beginning where he gives away some information to one of the uh, Colombian uh, police officers, and it ends up in this sort of police shooting massacre at a nightclub where they get a bunch of the Sicarios, but they also kill some innocent people as well. Right. And you kind of see it at the beginning, and it's a little, a little bit of a confusing start. And it's kind of like, well, who is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? What exactly is going on? And then they jump back and you finally get back to that scene at the end of episode eight. And it's recontextualized completely. And you're just like, oh, okay, this is a bad thing, but they are doing it for the right reasons, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Kind of is like a lot of this show, I think it's just... And they, they delve into it a lot in nine and, and ten of him like regretting, like, here's my trophies, is what he tells his partner. And it's yep. three dead Sicarios and another an innocent woman that's mm-hmm. dead as well. And then they kind of use it to blackmail him in episode 10. Um by the way, episode 10 ends on a cliffhanger. So I have started watching season two just to try to like catch up yeah. and fi- finish up with what's been going on. Uh and they they get to um, we're we're going to start jumping into spoilers now, but basically what's happened at this point is uh, uh, Pablo Escobar has escaped from the prison that he made for himself. It's so that was like a country club for him and his Sicarios. Yeah, uh, yeah, really interesting. I I really appreciate the speed that this show goes through. Um, his political career is basically like. Boiled it, you know, wrapped into two episodes of him buying the people's love and getting elected and getting into the uh, the Senate floor, and then immediately gets outed as a drug trafficker and has to step down and change his tactics. Uh, it's really cool. I I wish that it was more about the police officers. I found I really was starting to drag in the middle for me. Because a lot of those episodes are just about Pablo Escobar and watching him just terrify and kill and like do all these horrible acts really brought me down emotionally. And it wasn't until like episode nine where we get back to the cops and the DEA agents of like them trying to work things out and try and do like start doing their side of things. Mm-hmm. That you could, um, I started to be like back into it. So, which I, which police are you referring? You you the mean DEA the DEA? Agents. Okay, okay, yeah, 
sorry, when I when I say the police, I, I just mean the, the DEA agents. Sure, fair enough. Um, uh, that they, they do deal with the Colombian police as well, mm-hmm. which I think is mostly like episode four or five. Yeah, where you kind of get an insight into why these police officers are doing what they're doing, which was also really pretty cool. Um, I would probably give this so. I appreciate the artistry that goes into making a show like this. It's mm-hmm. very well done. The storytelling is really great. I love the little moments. Like uh, you see in episode 10, he's uh, tying his shoes. He's, he's like interrogating a guy. And he realizes that he's they're about to like storm into the prison and he just starts tying his shoes. And we saw him put on his shoes earlier in the day. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a little throwback. And it also tells you everything you need to know about what's about to happen. Like he's going to run and he's going to escape and he's not going to, you know, go for the blaze of glory shootout that everyone thinks. Um, and so I really like the visual storytelling that it has. I like the speed of everything. Uh, this show is just really not, not my jam. I found myself a lot of the time mm. when I had time to like sit down and watch an episode, I would find something light, more lighthearted or, or something a little bit less uh, like, taxing is how i would find this uh so i would say if i had to rate this i would give it a nine out of ten critically uh but i would probably put this lower to like a 5.5 sort of a show that i would enjoy on a day-to-day basis gotcha Uh, i liked the history behind it i didn't i i'm curious what the source was for the people around pablo okay like how did they know what his wife and mother thought of him and what they did when he's not around? Right. Um, Is that to me felt like the most partially the most interesting and also the most unrealistic part was he would do these crazy, horrible, evil things. And their reaction to it was just like, yeah, we'll love you no matter what. Right. Not for questioning what he did never and it felt like there should have been some scenes i would have believed it more if there were scenes where he wasn't around where they're talking to each other about like oh my god he's a monster can how can we escape this or like are we in too deep to escape this and there just was never a scene like that you see them on their own and they're just 100 committed they are with pablo no matter what he does no matter yeah his, his wife didn't really seem to care about him cheating on her as long as she came back he came back to her right. she was fine and yeah it's such a weird relationship well yeah I think you know when you start talking billions of dollars um, you know relationships get weird yeah or, or the, easier for that to happen the first I think episodes two and three reminded me a lot of the Johnny Depp movie Blow have you seen that mm-hmm. where he uh uh, is a he, he's a marijuana dealer and then goes to prison for that and then gets a degree as he calls it in cocaine yeah. and uh starts selling cocaine um all the time and that movie has a lot of like sort of the fun and poppiness of the early episodes where they're just showing how much money they're making oh the yeah yeah um and then and then the show takes like a really just dark turn once he doesn't get well he gets elected but then once they kick him out of politics um 
the show takes this really dark turn where he starts just kidnapping people and torturing people. And yeah, yeah it's yeah, he's a bad crazy. dude. He's awful. He's um, so awful. Yeah. It's a well, okay. So critically, you think extremely well done, but yeah, I would recommend this show to people that like criminal stories. Right. Uh, if you if you like a um, uh, or if you if you have friends who really like true crime, I think mm-hmm. this is really well done. There was yeah. a a movie uh, came out a couple of years ago with Tom Cruise called American Made. I think yep. I talked about it in an earlier episode, and it's about Barry Seal who's in this movie in the show for about two minutes yep. uh, and then gets killed. Yep. And it, the whole thing of American made is takes place in within this movie, just right. very fast. If you like that, you'll like this. Uh, they're, yeah. they're very similar um, like tone wise. But the thing is, is just, if you, if you're looking for something fun and light to watch, this is uh, not to good. wind down at the end of the day. I, I wouldn't watch this. No. Um, um, this this to me and tell me tell me what you, what you think about this. This to me felt like um, based on a true story. Plus, like you know, we all kind of had that caveat of when we see that at the beginning of a movie or a TV show. This is based on real events or whatever. Yeah. We know that like okay, you say that so like twelve percent of this is going to be true. The rest is going to be Hollywoodized. Yeah. This to me feels less Hollywoodized than based on real certainly the conversations are all written and and, and made yeah. up to the best of their abilities but this feel this felt not too over dramatized to me yeah i don't know i just don't know enough about the history to know whether they made him more evil or less evil uh i i don't know how they would make him less evil in this right because that's the thing everything they they show happens yeah so i've got a buddy who um who uh, is a former DEA agent um, was telling me there's a show Narcos Mexico. And yeah. he was like, there's, there was an episode where this, the the head of that cartel was in a restaurant and he's high on three different things, losing his mind. Two white guys walk in and they don't, they're, they're just dudes. They're just going into a restaurant and yeah. this guy just kills them. Yeah. And like that, like you would like normally you'd look at that and go, okay, well they're just trying to show how crazy this guy is. It was a real thing actually yeah. happened. Um, so, yeah. So, so one one thing that I thought was really interesting about this and about how they portray his character, he never does cocaine in this. No, like ever, just pot. He just a lot of pot, and and which you would kind of expect by somebody who doesn't like follow rules and needs to wind down, <laughs> like right. constantly on edge. Um, so, yeah, the difference between this and Blow that I that I realized very quickly was like. Well, in Blow, he's doing a lot of his own substance yeah. at, as the movie goes on. So you can see his like his downfall is the fact that he's also taking the drugs constantly and upping upping them to keep getting the same high. Uh, and that's sort of what brings him down ultimately is the fact that they're doing the drugs at the same time. But he's not a drug addict. He's just a businessman. And this is his business. Yeah, Escobar. And- yeah, Escobar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He he's not thinking about it as he never has any moral questions because he never thinks about what the moral implications are of anything that he does. It's just about what's the most efficient way to get what he wants from he's any al- situations. Yeah. He's almost the ultimate capitalist. Like he's just like, I just want to make yeah. money. 
and I don't, kind of don't care what I have to do to do it. Yeah. Um, the the hostage situation in episodes uh, six and seven is mm-hmm. really tough to watch. Yep. And you see when he doesn't get into politics uh, and gets kind of kicked out and he's just like, all right, well, I tried being nice and I tried to make people love me and I want people to respect me. And if I can't do it with love, I'm going to do it with fear. And he just flips a switch and goes on full on murder mode. Mm-hmm. And, and blows up the plane and yeah it's yeah it's very difficult um for me i think it may be what i don't know if this is just i don't know what this says about me but for me it was almost easier because i knew these things happened yeah uh, that they were past things like i don't um i feel for those people and for the events but i don't have to guess that um at how bad Escobar was. He truly was that bad. I mean, yeah. he, he ordered and did these things. Now, the way that, um, what's his name? Wagner, um, Mora portrays him may not be, you know, maybe more villainous than was there, but the, the things he orders and ha- has carried out in his name were all documented and proven. Yeah. It's just that, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know why that didn't make it necessarily easier for me, but it took some of the guesswork out of me. Well, it probably makes it easier as well that we know what's happened to him now, and that right. he is dead, and God finally did get justice. Yeah, um, on him. I mean, as much as you can. Yeah. In this situation, but yeah, uh, I, I am not a true crime fanatic like some people. I know it's a really popular genre. I know that I'm in the minority, uh, but I don't really like cold cases yeah. <laughs> and hearing about how, you know, these six people got murdered, but we still, you know, it could be these people, but we don't right. really have any leads. And it's like, right. well, that's sucks. That's, that's not what I want in the world. I really like superhero movies. I like the escapism. Yeah, I like yeah. the idea that if a billionaire had all the money in the world, that he would make an Iron Man suit and try to yeah. fight bad guys. He wouldn't just fight, you know, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or sell cocaine for everyone. Um, yeah. 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 I- I'm with you. Um, for me though, like I, I, I enjoy this. This is a kind of, I'm not, I'm not a true crime, true crime buff either, but yeah. uh, this was so well done. Like it made, it is well done. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't help but just be drawn in to it and need to know what happened. And almost on that point, like, yes, sad, terrible things, but the process of watching it was somewhat enjoyable for me because of all the stuff of the production and everything. And I love the narration of it. Um, I think, I think that the two people we need to mention before we move on from, from Narcos is uh, again, Wagner Mora as Pablo Escobar is really good. It's like just outstanding. Um, yeah. If you look at pictures of them side by side, they're not identical, but they're pretty dang close. Um, Cause I mean, well, he's much more attractive than Pablo Escobar ever was. Sure. But Escobar, <laughs> I think dies in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, 93. 93. No, 92. 92. Um, so yeah. we're, we're talking about a guy that, you know, our parents would have seen on the TV. We, I would have seen on the TV and, and yeah. known his face. And so 
that's always one of the struggle for me when someone does a, a you know this happened in real life and recently we all know what it looks like if it's hard to find a, an actor to go in there you you yeah. kind of either get good actor or looks alike um in this particular one i think we got both i mean he looked like yeah. escobar um and he was a, a just an astounding performance like he made like i was sad when escobar dies because i couldn't watch him anymore <laughs> yeah like that's the only reason I was sad. Um, yeah. And then the other other person I think we need to mention. Um, well, there's two two others is Boyd Holbrook and Pedro Pascal as the DEA agents. Um, Boyd Holbrook also serves as our narrator. Yeah. Um, and he I think does a really good job as well. And then yeah. uh, Pedro Pascal as this guy like so Holbrook comes to um, Colombia later than Pedro Pascal's character, Javier Pena. He's been there longer and um, is like almost jaded. And, yeah. But um, he's kind of, you know, he's like, I got to do stuff that's not the greatest in the world to get things done kind of a guy. Um, they both, like their balance and their chemistry together, I thought was really, really good, especially in the first few episodes where they have this tension of yeah. you're a new guy, you're a white guy, you're not going to get crap done. Yeah. So anyway yeah uh the two i want to call out real quick um joanna christie who plays connie um mm -hmm. who's boyd, um steve steve's wife i think she's really great in this yep. she's got some some really great scenes where she like forces to to work in the hospital uh which ends up kind of getting her in with the communist uh lady and um yeah that that seems really great i liked her like fake arguments and stuff when they're trying to trick the CIA and thinking that they're going to break up so that he felt they follow them to the wrong places. Um, and then Maurice Compte, who plays Horatio uh, Carrillo, who's the head of the task force, the police task force. He's like the one non-corruptible right. policeman who they, uh, they put a lot of trust and faith in. Um, he's really great. I liked him a lot very believable i've seen him in a bunch of other things too um but yeah he's great yeah he was he was very very good um he's that that character i don't believe exists in real life there's so so Curio is a made-up character but he's based on colonel hugo martinez okay um, and so and who was in charge of what was called search block which was this yeah. group of police that were supposed to be uncorruptible and their singular task was the cartels yeah um, and police in colombia is not the same as police here um police in colombia is all of them have you know assault rifles and yeah it's kind of like it, a mixture of police and, and swat and military and, almost yeah well, there is a there is a slight distinction between them and the military, but there it's is. it's pretty small. Visually, though, it looks almost identical. Yeah, it's basically like if you have a partner and you're in a Humvee, you're police. If right. you have, or if you are in a giant van with thirty people, you're military. Yeah, it's just it's just the amount of you that yeah, really exactly. the, dis the distinction. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. Both, I agree. Both those both those actors um, did a great job. Um, so yeah so narcos overall you'd recommend for folks that kind of like true crime and yeah i think it's it's one where you have to kind of cater your recommendation for i don't sure. think i would recommend this to just anybody um but if they like true crime if they uh if they like sort of the the uh, criminal minds or something like that some of the darker shows yeah. um i know people always 
uh, Mindhunter always gets recommended to me, and I just look at it. And I'm like, I I don't want to see. Did you ever a bunch watch of serial killers? Did you ever watch the the Mindhunter Mindhunter movie from 1980, 80, somewhere in the 80, 84 range? It had the guy um, NCIS Las Vegas, the main CSI guy. Um, yeah. Uh, NCIS, CSI Las Vegas. CSI, I know what you're talking about. Um, I forget his name, but he was an actor, and it's a prequel to um, Silence of the Lambs. Oh. It's not Red Dragon? It's a different prequel? Um, Red Dragon is a remake. Okay. Are they the same story? Is that... Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I have not seen that. I have seen Red Dragon, but I have not seen my Um, This was a little... Not as I don't know, not as intense, but um, it was the '80s versus whenever Red Dragon came out with the early 2000s. Um, so it's 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 in that same kind. It's in the same kind. It's dark and yeah, you know. Um, not I do better. I do better with the movies that are like a little bit darker. Sure. Uh, like I, I I enjoy Silence of the Lambs. I like Seven. I mm-hmm. I, I can do it in like a two-hour block. I just can't binge. Gotcha. Shows like this. And I can't watch them for like too long in a week. Right. Um, like if see uh Criminal Minds is one of Kendra's favorite shows, or it used to be. Yeah. And yeah. uh I could watch one episode a week for a while, and then I was like, I we need to watch something lighter and yeah. <laughs> sillier. Yeah. So for me, um there was a movie called Arlington Road um uh-huh. a long time ago. It was about um uh, terror cells in DC and they blow a place up. It's a very dark movie. does not have a happy ending. Um, and so like I've watched that movie and immediately, like I, I saw it in the theater and I went, this will not be the end of my day. This will not be the last thing I watched. I watched, walked right next door and watched Lake Placid because it's hilarious. Oh, that's um, a good one. <laughs> so, but yeah, I know, so I know exactly what you're talking about. That, that sense of just like, this can't be right. Um, I, I had that with Gone Girl. Like, I can't watch Gone Girl. Um, so I have a great Gone Girl story. Um, I love Gone Girl because we watched it in a $2 theater oh, with wow. a family of three sitting in front of us. A mom, her her younger da- her young daughter, and her younger daughter. What? And the whole movie was the young daughter yelling at the mom for bringing them to the movie <laughs> oh my goodness oh it was hysterical wow well okay that might have been funny the movie <laughs> itself is disturbing in a bug it's it very me. dark yes it bugs me that there's people that can think of that um yeah and yeah so anyway um so okay cool well there you go there's narcos any last thoughts on that that you want to share before we move on oh uh, is there anything else i want to talk about with it there's so much in the first season. Um, yes. I, I did start watching season two um, I, just to sort of like figure out what happens to Pablo when he escapes from the jail and they just sort of let him go. Right. Uh, I like sort right. of the mythology of him now. He's he's become bigger than himself. Yeah. And there's just like, yeah, we, he was shot 20 times and they buried him and he rose from the ashes. And it's like, Okay, so this is why no one's even like bothering to take a shot because they're worried that even if they shoot him to death, he's going to come back and kill everybody in their family. Right. He's invulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just gone beyond the 
thing. Yeah. Is there anything else from season two you wanted to mention? Uh, uh, no, just that, um, just the, the narcos overall, there's three seasons of narcos. Um, one and two are the Medellin cartel, which is the Escobar cartel. And then at the end of season two, um, in the middle of season two, we start getting introduced to the Cartagena cartel. And so se- season three kind of focuses on them and their ultimate downfall. And then we get Wait, nar- what? So in, in season, the end of season one, we get introduced to the Cali cartel. Is that yeah, the, the Cali, same one? Yeah, the Cali cartel. Okay. Yeah. Out of Card- okay. yeah, Cali cartel out of Card- Cartagena. Um, okay. And then uh, we get Narcos Mexico, which is another show. And that is the Sinaloan cartel, which kind of happens like this is um, a lot of these things kind of happen next to each other. And so to true, like, you know, I almost need like three TVs with these shows running simultaneously, but turning off when it's supposed yeah. to. So like, I can see exactly how things line up because it can get really confusing. Um, but, that weird Godfather mix where they, yeah, they show it all yeah. in order. Um, that's a great one. Um, but yeah, they, um, so those, that's the whole narco season two, I think has some slower moments because it, it, it's, um, it, it does end for Escobar in season two. And so you get into these moments of like, they dig into the possible, his possible mindset a lot. And so you yeah. kind of start seeing what the kingdom is doing. And um, there's a lot of interest in there. I'm trying to speak a little bit covertly, so I don't come all the way away, but sure. we all know that Escobar does die. Um, so it's a, uh, it's very good. It's, I don't think it's as dark as the first season overall. Yeah. Um, it's more introspective than the first season um kind of for everybody um but it's very good so okay keep going well i will not be watching it this week because i have a big homework assignment for both of us depending yes. on what of the next things that we talk about so we're going to get into my recommendations now um i've been threading this since we talked about doing a podcast together uh we, sure. uh, we talked about what are some of our holes when it comes to uh, movies and TV shows, and Adam's biggest hole, I, I'm guessing. I I, I don't know. Uh, if you agree it, with it this. Might be close. One of your bigger holes yeah. is anime. Um, and so I did check with you ahead of time that that you're okay to watch one season of anime this week. Yep. Um, but we understand viewers if you uh, if you need a little bit more time to get through 26 episodes of a show, you know, take your time, come back to us, we'll be around. Um, but maybe you've seen one of these already, and you can you can just keep keep going along with us but uh i have two shows to recommend they're both 26 episodes as is pretty usual for animes um it will say on one of them uh because it's not only on hulu it'll say that it has 52 episodes that is because one of the episodes is dubbed and one of the episodes is subbed so you don't gotcha. change the subtitles on hulu the same way you do on some of the other platforms it just yeah. has the sub version and then the dub version so uh you might end up if you're not careful watching the same episode twice, <laughs> um, which we've done right. a couple times on, on Hulu, but yeah. Uh, so the two shows are Cowboy Bebop, which is uh, a blending of sci-fi and jazz and uh, kind of a bunch of different somewhat Western-y genres mm-hmm. Uh it's sort of all over the place. What I like about Cowboy Bebop is that it's not a, uh, it's not Star Trek, it's Star Wars. What I mean by that is it's not a utopia where we figured out 
how to make all the resources in the world. Resources are scarce and the world is lived in. Is no one gets into a pristine spaceship. There are no pristine spaceships in this world. Everything is gritty and gross and used so, and falling apart. So is it Star Wars or is it Firefly? It's it's more Star Wars than Firefly because okay. while they are like a ragtag group of similar to Firefly, there's no um like in Firefly the Imperials are like clean and disinfected yeah and this is this is not that everybody is dirty okay it, it'd be like yeah there's no um, ruling class there's no real like yeah that there are people that are rich and billionaires and stuff but everything is falling apart the whole everything's held together with duct tape gotcha um so you jump uh the way light speed works in this universe is uh instead of having any ship can go into light speed, you have these sort of like light speed gates that sort mm. of jump you and then catch you. Uh, so it's kind of like um, what they were trying to do in Lost in Space, where they, they're they traveling across the universe yeah. to set up the second gate and get, get things ready so they can jump from one, one part of the universe to another. Guardians of the Galaxy-like, where they've got a... Yeah, kind of like that, um, except that the gates are monitored by the government. So you have to have reasons right. to get from one space to another. It's, it's actually, yeah, you, you have to, um, uh, there, there is a little bit of it in the star Wars lore as well. You see yeah. Obi-Wan using one of those, uh, um, the rings. Uh, yeah. To yeah. jump from one part of the galaxy to the other. And it's, it's the government who controls who gets those like rings. So, there is some amount of like additional control around getting getting from one place to the other. Um, but yeah, it's it's a ragtag group. They're they're kind of just a bunch of losers that have all sort of found each other. And there's individual episodes about each one of them and kind of digging into their backstory. I really like Faye Valentine. She's one of my favorite characters. She gets cosplayed a lot. People like to dress up as her. Uh, quite frequently for anime conventions and one look at her and you will understand why uh, but she she's very fun i like her a lot um the main character if there is one is spike valentine and the series is really about his growth as a person and getting from where he starts to where he ends is a pretty big gap um and he has sort of a backstory they sort of delve into as the series go but he is uh, he's probably one of the coolest anime characters, in my opinion. Uh, he's got a really cool fighting style and a really cool just way of life. And yeah, um, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, the other one is, it's hard to really explain because usually we would go into like a lot of the actors and stuff to sort of sell yeah, you on yeah. this, but it's a lot of voice actors and I don't really know if you're going to want to go dubs or subs, I know you're kind of a purist when it comes to uh, yeah. watching things. Like I know part of the reasons you like Narcos is that it's just in Spanish and they just have it subtitled. Yes. Um, yes. So it's up to you. I usually watch things dubbed because 
that's how I got introduced to anime was through like Adult Swim, which is kind of what um, I'm thinking might be more my speed in this because you know even growing up in the '80s, you know Thundercats and everything, those are not. I mean, none of it lines up, even if it's not dubbed. Yeah. So I will tell you, if you are watching it dubbed, do not turn on subtitles. So <laughs> it's very frustrating. I watched. Uh, so Cowboy Bebop, you can watch on both Netflix or Hulu. Uh, I think Netflix is a little bit easier because you don't have the commercials, or at least right. I, the version of Hulu I have has commercials. But uh, if you're watching it on Netflix, either dub it or turn on the subtitles with the, with um, the original audio. Japanese, yeah, because the, the subtitles do not match what they're actually saying. It's it's very different. I, I've been watching a couple episodes here and there just to test it out to see which one. I would prefer and which one I would recommend. Um, I like the voice work on uh, Cowie Bebop. Um, I won't tell you what any of the other actors have done because one of the things in, uh, I'll get into it with the next one, but it's it can be very frustrating sometimes when you hear a voice and you know what character that is and it's not the character that's on screen. Right. Um, so I would go in as blind as you can when it comes to the voice cast. Okay. Uh, but it has a 100% average tomato meter, uh, 96% audience score. I will say that that is probably a little bit inflated because of the fact that it's from 1998. Usually people don't dig into the back history to, to you know, shut something down uh, yeah. and say bad things about it. But yeah, it's it's got a pretty good criti- critical consensus. Uh, okay, so the second one I want to recommend uh, is a little bit more out there than a space jazz western, and that is called Trigun, T-R-I-G-U-N. Uh, it is pretty much Desperado. Um, it's a very much a space western, uh, very westerny, and it is about a guy called Vash the Stampede, who is uh, the humanoid typhoon, as they call him. This is all from the first episode. You get this uh, explanation about this guy who is uh, just the downfall of so many towns and civilizations in this sort of Western um, planet area. And it the main characters are uh, Millie and uh, Errol, and they are insurance adre- adjusters. So... <laughs> Yeah, Meryl Strife and Millie Thompson, uh, they are two um, sort of powerful women. You you kind of get a sense of there's more more to them than meets the eye, uh, I will say, um, as the show goes on. But yeah, their job is to go out and find this Bash the Stampede and basically try to keep him from destroying things. Uh, so they're representing the insurance company and they follow him around. And when things go awry, they send in letters to basically, uh, you know, approve the claims that are about to come in from the insurance company. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting take on it. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of mystery as to who Bash the Stampede is and whether or not this character that they're following around is as deadly and crazy as they seem to like as everyone seems to think he is uh there's a 60 million double dollar 
bounty on him. So everywhere they go, people are constantly trying to capture him and collect the bounty that's on his head. Uh, and these two have no real interest in the bounty. They're just working for the insurance company. So they're they're kind of they're not at odds with each other, but they're also not really like uh, working together. They just happen to sort of be around each other. But he's he's sort of a crazy goofball, and you learn more about him. And the series takes a very drastic turn that I don't think you could possibly guess at around like the t- episode twenty mark. It takes like a really crazy turn. And if you don't watch a lot of anime, it's going to be very jarring. <laughs> but I will say your your anime credibility will go really high if you can tell people that you've seen Trigun. <laughs> um, I think this is the one that's more out there of the two. Okay. Um, but it is definitely the one uh, that, yeah. It what, What's nice about both of these, the, the reason that I re- chose these two as the first ones is while they are a complete series, um, like a full series, they're complete series. So it tells the whole story in one. Um, there is a movie for Trigun, but I believe it's sort of like an in-between cool movie. It sort of just like fleshes out. It's like more episodes. Gotcha. Uh, it's not really completing the story or adding to it too much. Uh, and then the um, Cowboy Bebop movie is uh, additional, mo- like an additional story has its own sort of arc and stuff to it it's actually very good but i wouldn't recommend it if you haven't seen at least some of the series gotcha uh i would say it's been about 10 years since i've watched trigun last i watched it once uh in high school and i watched it again with kendra um but it's been a while since i've watched it so i will be watching it again with you if that's the one you choose i was started re-watching cowboy bebop in preparation for this just to get a feel for how it starts off I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through consecutively. I've seen it a lot, but I watched this one on back when it was like on television for Adult Swim. Yeah. And I I think I might have seen a bunch of them out of order. Um and I've watched some of it with Kendra before. I watched the um we watched the live action version, which the first episode of the live action version is almost like a shot for shot remake of the first episode of the cartoon um it has like a little bit of extra stuff in it they sort of allude to a previous job in the first episode and they actually show the first episode in the live action um but they're really like very similar and i think that's why people kind of got thrown off of the live action version was it's like well why would i just re-watch the same show right. that i've seen right uh it's not until like the later episodes that it starts to change and then i think more people fell off because they're like well, why would I want anything different than what I've seen before? <laughs> so they kind of got, you know, damned if they do, damned if they yeah. don't uh, with the live action. But um, I, I would say start with the anime um, is my okay. my personal recommendation. But yeah, uh, so these are both, both 1998. Uh, Trigun has a slightly worse audience score of 84%, but its tomato meter is 100%. So... Hmm. Make of that what you will. Okay. Is it decision time? I think so. Unless you have other questions I can answer. Um, I mean, as far as anime cred, Trigon going to give me more than Cowboy Bebop? 
Yeah, Cowboy Bebop's really mainstream. Um, not that it's bad or anything, but like this was on Adult Swim. Right. Um, this is going to be you, you get about the same credibility as if you watched some of Dragon Ball Z. Um, gotcha. Which I have not. Um, no. And I wouldn't recommend that one because there's a million seasons of it and it has a ton of spinoffs and prequels. And now I have watched nearly all of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! That will not help you at all. Dang it. Okay. Well, it might help you a little bit with Trigun because uh, kind of one of the things about anime is how they portray emotion. Uh-huh. And so you will get a lot of like people just turn upside down when they get flummoxed. Right. And people have those like really big uh, veins bulge out of their head when they're angry. And there's a little bit of that in Yu Gi Oh! But. Okay. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Well, I think. I mean, I really don't know. I think that. Um, let's do Trigun. Okay. All right. All right. So Trigun is only on Hulu. Um, so that's the way you'll you'll have to have to watch it unless you want to buy it on Amazon Prime or Apple TV. Um, but yeah, I'm All excited. Right. Well, that's what we'll watch. Hmm. Oh, the, the one thing about Trigun, uh, you won't this won't bother you at all. But there's a character in Trigun that is the same voice actor who was in Digimon, which I watched almost all of as a child. And every time he's like a very famous voice actor, but he did like this little kid in, in Digimon. And so every time I hear his voice in anything, it just takes me out of it immediately. Nice. So I'm like, that's that's so-and-so from Digimon. <laughs> What's going on? I will not have that problem. No, I don't think you'll have that issue. But yeah, I will say if you if you go for the dubbing and stuff, it's it can start to get a little bit mixed as you watch more and more anime because you'll start to recognize sure the voice cast because they use them in a lot of shows especially for anything that was on uh cartoon network yeah it's a lot of the same voice actors cool awesome all right all right try again it is we will uh let y'all know how or what i think about that next week um all right thank you for those recommendations definitely a challenge this week um but one i am not afraid to step up to and tackle Let's move on then into our blast from the past. So this week we are doing something a little different. Previously, we've been just picking a year and we've both been coming with one or two movies or shows that we think that, you know, you may have forgotten about or may not have known at the time or whatever, or weren't alive yet to watch um, and need to be told by the older generation. Um, This week though, we decided to, like I said earlier, Pick the, the month of the year that typically has some of the, the you know, the not, not they're not saying they're the worst movies, but they're movies they don't expect to perform well. Yeah. And so they release them in January. And so it's just usually the, the most downtime of the year because we just had the Christmas holiday season where they released some of their big ones like Toy Story was a Thanksgiving release. Uh, the Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings were all Christmas releases. Um, so we decided to go the month after and challenge ourselves. And, uh, January was that one. So, McLean, you want to start? You want me to go? Yeah, I can, I can start it off. Uh, so, yeah, there's usually a couple of reasons to put a movie in January, but a lot of times it's to avoid that summer movie season. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're starting to get more and more blockbusters throughout the year, I think that this is starting to disappear entirely. I think 
you're starting to see less movies just getting dumped. And, and with and, and with the streaming platforms, you know, yeah. leasing their own feature length, you know, cinema quality movies. Yeah. As I was doing this, I started to get into like the 2010s and was like, oh, this is just there's just a hundred million dollar movie in 2010 that was released in January. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I bet people have seen that one. But there is a gem that I don't think a lot of people saw because it's the third one in a franchise and it's a prequel. And <laughs> I think it is the best one of that franchise. Uh, it's really good. The cast is great. The performances are, are really well done. The effects are not amazing, but kind of what you expect with this lower budget film. Uh, I think it's still pretty good. And that is Underworld Rise of the Lycans. Mm. So it's probably one of my one of the most entertaining uh, Romeo and Juliet stories that you will ever see. Um, one R- Juliet is a vampire. Romeo is a werewolf. And there's this class distinction between them mm-hmm. uh, that werewolves are, are sort of the lesser uh, creatures of the night and vampires are ruling the world. Yeah, vampires uh, created the werewolves to protect them during the day. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this guy falls in love with a um, vampire lady and it's sort of them fighting to maintain their relationship and her father is um, the main villain played by uh, uh, Bill Nighy, mm-hmm. uh, who's great in this. Michael Sheen plays uh, Lucien. Um, Rona Mitra plays uh, Sonia, and it's really just them for most of this. Uh, but I, I don't mind the Underworld movies. The first one's pretty good. The action's pretty good, and the story's interesting. Uh, the second one sort of fell off a little bit for me, and this this movie I had almost zero expectations going into it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really good. Um, I think a lot of it is Michael Sheen's performances as the the main werewolf really yeah. carry it. The villainousness of of Bill Nighy is also there. Uh, I I really always look for an excuse to talk about this movie because I I see a lot of people talk about like best prequels. And it's like, well, Indiana Jones 2 is technically a prequel. It's like, well, yeah, kind of. But this is like a real prequel to the Underworld lore. And it's done really, really well. And I think it's it's not the best prequel movie of all time. But considering what the original movies were, it elevates the genre and like elevates the material and is a prequel. It's one of the only prequels I can think of that is better than the original that came out. Oh, yeah. We may disagree on that. One of them. But, yeah. You know, I mean, like, I don't think this is better than Underworld. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's better than a lot in the franchise, but I don't think it's yeah. better than the original. You don't think it's better? Okay. I no. do think it's definitely better than two, though, right? Can we definitely better than two. One? Okay. Um, three i think it's question i think it's um, i think they're kind of you know 2a 2b kind of kind of a thing um yeah but yeah this this is secretly like one of my favorite franchises like just because it's really yeah because it's so silly and just like it it it's you know they know it almost like it's not as clear that they don't take themselves seriously but you can kind of catch little moments of it yeah um i mean it's just 
it, they're, they're, these are escape movies. These are just, I watch this and I don't have to invest eight gazillion, you know, brain cells to do it. Um, and I can just escape, leave the world behind for an hour and a half to two hours yeah. and watch Kate Beckinsale and then come back. Yeah. You know, kind of, um, kind of like Van Helsing. Watch yeah. Kate Beckinsale flip around and do crazy stuff with a silly yes. accent. Yeah. Have fun. It's <laughs> an awesome accent, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, I, 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 I didn't realize this was a January release, um, but this is an ex- yeah, January, uh, January 23rd, 2009 for wide release. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent choice. What do you got? All right. So um, the one that I think that you might've picked that I would pick um, both of mine are older. I will say that right now. Both of mine are like pre 1992 or 1991. Um, okay. so the first one is, is Kevin Bacon in, <laughs> in his greatness and it's tremors. It's tremors. Yeah. That's my second uh, one too. <laughs> all right. All right. I had a backup. Uh, I have a backup. Let's talk okay. tremors though. So tremors so is just, it's, it's 1990. It's so bad. Um, in the best ways, like, it's great. Yeah. It's so, um, Kevin Bacon is stellar in this, and so is um, Fred Ward. They're both – Reva McIntyre is in this. Uh, it's just – it's hilarity everywhere for everything, and I can't – I can't not watch it when I – you know, if I'm ever channel serving, which I don't do anymore, but, like, it's all, it's always one of those ones that if I, if I ever saw, like, two seconds of it, oh, crap, i got to watch the whole thing now. Um, yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's these giant worms that exist only in a small portion of, uh, Western United States and they can't go through rock, but they can go through soil. And they're, they're like the dune monsters on a much smaller scale that sense the vibrations of people walking or making noise. Uh, (laughs) uh, and the, they almost don't look anything like what's on the poster. (laughs) And the effects are not great, but, um, the chemistry, especially between Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, um, is so good. There's, there's little, um, nods almost to footloose on tractors and stuff. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's entertainment for the sake of entertainment is really what it is. And it's, it's really good at that. Yeah. There's a great, the, the scene with them jumping from rock to rock to get mm-hmm. to the scientist truck is so much fun. And for me, that's where the movie really starts. Like yeah. when I think about this movie, I think about it from that point. There's a lot in the beginning. That's this weird buildup and like mm-hmm. sort of this question of what is this, what's going on in this town? People are disappearing and it's, it's fine. It's, it's fun. And it's, it's interesting, but the movie really cranks into gear once they get stuck and stranded yeah. on, the, on those rocks and they're like whoa well, their truck gets like completely sucked in and they're like how do we get out of here well my truck is next to a boulder and they just pick up some pipes and start jumping from one to the other ah so much fun the music's great in it yep. uh yeah everything everything in that movie works for me um <laughs> the even like the sort of uh bizarre love story between kevin bacon and this scientist that should have absolutely nothing to do with him <laughs> yeah great yeah. yeah um yeah it's 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 the best kind of silly almost yeah um and it's it's fantastic and that that kevin bacon would even do this um it's just 
wonderful. So yeah. that's that's my first one. It's it's just it's it's an easy movie. You know, uh, one of the reviews I saw. Um, let me find it real quick. Um, from Trace Thuman, the horror que- horror queers podcast. There you go. Um, says you can just see the fun for the whole family review blurb on the VHS box at your local video store. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what it is. You know, it's, it's intense without being like crazy scary and it's not super, it's not really gory. It's PG 13. It's barely over an hour and a half. Um, the tomato meter has an 88% and the audience score is 75%, which I think is high for the tomato meter. The audience, I think is probably right on. Um, yeah. So, um, it's do great. you, do you like the sequels to this? I like number two. I think it's actually pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And it adds some to the lore. Yes. Three is where it starts to really just go off the rails, go, go off the rails. So they evolve in two, and yep. then you find out in three that this isn't an evolution. It's a cycle. So right. the big worms make these thermo babies that then make these flying ones that then poop out the big ones and the ground ones again. So it goes from like underground to on top the ground to in the air and it's like okay it's one that's just a little bit of everything many yeah yeah i do like i I like to because they figure out how to kill them and Mm -hmm. they just go to mexico to just hunt them basically yeah and the mexican government pays um burt ward's character to just kill them and they do it with much like remote control cars and they just completely out outthink them uh and the uh uh and then they evolve to figure out how to not get hunted anymore and turn into these thermo imaging monsters that, and there's some pretty interesting stuff that they do with that. Uh, but yeah, once it, three, three kind of goes off the rails. Yeah. It's, it's, it suffers from what jaws suffered from. Yeah. So like one is just stupendous. Two is good without being crazy good and doesn't match one. And then three, you just start going, what, the, what, what, <laughs> what's what's going on that's how i felt about the tremors the tremors um follow-ups yeah um all right so what's your backup since i stole it stole that one okay so i have a, a comedy movie that i think is really great uh 47 47 percent tomato meter but a 61 percent audience score which i think is pretty spot on uh and that is the movie orange county uh, it stars Colin Hanks and Jack Black. This is one of Jack Black's earlier um, forays into film. Uh, I think this is before he made School of Rock, which kind of, you know, shot him into the upper atmosphere of stardom. He, this is sort of a smaller role for him, but he crushes it and just steals every scene that he's in. Um, Colin Hanks is trying to get into uh, an elite school and his family kind of comes from nothing. So he has to sort of get these scholarships. Uh, it's got Catherine O'Hara in it. John Lithgow, Harold Ramis is in it as well. Lily Tomlin. Super, super funny movie. Uh, I think this is, it, it is a slow start, but it ends really strong. And I remember just laughing, laughing out loud. Uh, crazy for this movie. Um, it has been a while since I have seen it. Uh, I'll just read the the movie info bio real quick. A smart high school student with his heart set on going to Stanford is horrified when his guidance counselor accidentally sends the wrong transcript with his college application. He spends the rest of the film trying to prove that he's actually a good student with a terrific grade point average. So yeah, 
that that sort of sums up sums up the movie there. And then right. uh, Jack Black plays his kind of screw up older brother. Okay. With a, with a heart of gold that's trying to do will do anything he has to do, uh, including seducing people to uh, <laughs> to get his brother the grade that that he you know get him into the school. Yeah. Nice. So okay, I never saw this when it came out. Um, I think this was in one of those uh, times in my life because it was 2002. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Where I was a little uh, just kind of like not in not as much of the theater, and um, or maybe this was too teeny bopper for me at the moment. So I think this movie got lost a little bit uh, because I think this came out around the same time that like Stealing Harvard did. Mm. Uh, which had sort of the Tom Green appeal to it. Uh, And so that, that came out around the same time. And I think there were just a lot of like, um, yeah, there were other movies with sort of a somewhat similar premise that all kind of came out around the same time. I don't think any of the other ones had the same laughs that this one did though. Gotcha. Okay. There's, there's one scene in particular with Jack Black, where he crushes it and it is hysterical. Leslie um, Mann is in this. Wow. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it is not streaming anywhere, but you can get this on uh, Prime Video or Apple TV or yeah. Vudu if you want to rent or buy it. Okay, so, cool. That might be one that I, that I check out. Um, yeah. You, you were 100% right, Bill. But, and, and I did save Tremors as my last one because I thought you might also have picked it. Yeah. As soon as I saw it on the list, I'm like, oh, I wonder if Adam's going to pick that one. Yeah, all right. so much fun. <laughs> all right, so my last my last blast from the past um, is actually kind of one of my favorite movies growing up. I remember watching this on the VHS. Yes, I am that old. On repeat over and over and over again. I'm fairly certain I broke the tape. Um, but this is uh, it's White Fang. Okay. Um, which came out in the, or I think, 91. Um, checking right now. And got to get to the right one. There's so yep. many. Yeah, 1991. This is the Ethan, Ethan Hawke one. So, um, a Jack London uh, book. This is an adaptation. Um, Ethan Hawke plays Jack Conroy, who has arrived in Alaska in search for the gold mine when Jack enters, uh, encounters White Fang, a dog-wolf hybrid who has been cruelly treated by his owner, um, Beauty Smith, which is a James Remar. He rescues the canine from the jaws of death during a fight in a fierce uh with a fierce bulldog, aided by his friend Alex Larson, Jack nurses White Fang back to health, and the animal becomes a close companion to the men. Um, this had gold mining, it had uh, Native Americans, it had uh, a dog-wolf hybrid. Um, it had everything. Ethan Hawke does a great job in it, and it's just a kind of a classical tale of relationship. There's some action and some tension, but it's not driven that way. It's a family drama. Um, yeah more than anything else and um it, and it's almost a two-hour fi- flick so to to rely on that that's a that's a pretty long family drama movie um but it is fantastic and a really 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 solid good down-to-earth sit down with the family have a popcorn dinner night watch the movie yeah i i definitely have seen this movie but I don't think I've seen it since I was a young child, probably watching it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this movie gets a little bit of a bad rap and it, it kind of gets boiled down only to that one scene where he's telling the dog to go away. Yep. And the, like the phrase of like white fanging somebody where you just throw stuff at them until they leave. 
Uh, and I feel like this movie gets sort of, um, that's the only thing people remember from it, right? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of, I think I might go back and rewatch this. It's on yeah. Disney Plus right now. You can just watch it for free. Yep. It's um, it's got a lot of um, uh, intimacy of uh, of of connection between characters. Yeah. In a lot of different ways, and I'll never forget this scene of of um, Ethan Hawke's character showing up in Alaska. This is the gold rush. And seeing this line of people walking up these ice stairs on this mountainside to get over the mountain and into like Alaska proper. And it's, um, I think it's really well shot. It's a Disney movie. Um, so, you know, so it's, it is what it is, but, um, it, it's got a lot of character development over time. Cool. Um, so I, I find it very enjoyable. Um, very easy. It's got a, it's got enough tension and suspense where I go, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. But then it releases fairly quick. And you're like, okay, cool. And you know, it doesn't, you don't get, you get emotionally invested, but not so much that, you know, anything detrimental or lasting happens. Yeah. Did you see the new call of the wild movie with Harrison I Ford? Not. I cannot get past that CGI dog. It just looks too weird. Yeah. And it just, it, as someone who loves like Homeward Bound and, and movies like from this era where they just trained dogs, mm-hmm. it's so weird to me that you would just not use a dog to right. play a dog. Um, and I get that there's like dangerous things in that movie that you can't let the dog do, but it's like, well, they didn't, they shot it on a green screen. Harrison Ford's not doing anything dangerous either. Like, yeah, you can have a real dog on a green screen, it would be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yes, so, and these were some of the first books I, I read, like first big chapter books that weren't Hardy Boys. Yeah, All the Wild, Hatchet, and uh, White Fang. Yeah, so great. Um, it's a it's a good movie. It's a great um, Friday night family watch movie kind of thing, or Sunday night, but you know after you've gotten ready for school the next day, sit down and watch White Fang. Yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of one of those um, one of those movies we don't really see as much of anymore of like the lower budget family drama right movie uh with with some some bits of action and stuff in it yeah um, this is like the perfect movie to be releasing in january yeah exactly and this is i mean it and it's not a bad like the tomato meter has a 67 the audience scores at 63 so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not certified fresh but it's clearly in the favorable um yeah or pretty much everybody. So it's, you know, it's a, it's an easy time. It's an easy movie. Um, there are definitely things that you can come out of it as a parent talking with your kids about yeah. um, if you wanted to. And also it's also easy enough to where you, you wouldn't have, you don't have to. Um, so it's uh, definitely something I think that most families should revisit at least once before the kids move out. All right. Great, great recommendations. Thank you. Thank you. What is your number two? What's your backup? Oh, uh, my backup was uh, Orange County. Oh, that's right. We got through, we got through both of my. I forgot to write. Orange County and no, I, I didn't made it disappear. Uh, Underworld. Yeah. Underworld 3, the prequel. Yeah, it's not really Underworld 3, is it? It's it's Underworld Rise of Lycan, the prequel or whatever. Yeah. If you if you look for Underworld 3, it's the one that pops up. Though. It is, yeah. All right. Um, well, there you go. McLean, any last thoughts on anything we've discussed this week? Uh, get excited. We had Carnival Row and Renfield. Uh, we talked about Narcos. We're going to be watching Trigun this week. Yeah. For my reaction next week. And Tremors, White Fang, Underworld Rise of Lycan, Orange County. Any final thoughts? 
just I'm really interested to see what you think about Trigun. Okay. <laughs> I, I, rewatched, I rewatched episode one yesterday just to make sure everything was working on Hulu for me. And uh it's it's so crazy and silly and fun. Awesome. Well we'll we'll find out next week um what I think. And uh yeah, I'm hopeful. I think it'll be good. So there you go, folks. Uh another episode in the books. We will be joining you guys again next week where we will have my reaction to Trigun along with two new recommendations for McLean. I have no idea what theme I'm going to be trying to get him this week, but uh, I've got a couple ideas that should make it fun. I just don't know which one to do yet. Um, so let us know what you think. Email us. One of us is always right at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We want to know what you think. We want to know if you have recommendations for us. Do you disagree? Do you think Tremors is the worst movie ever made? Um, do you think it's not silly? Do you think that um, that the Underworld franchise uh, is you know bound for Hollywood Hall of Fame? Um, let us know what you think about any of this stuff. We are interested to hear from you. But for now, we're going to go and watch Trigun. We will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody.